Did y'all just like naturally figure it out it was time to stop talking or did I just show up and it was like, okay, we're done. Yeah. Hey, we got to take up an offering. Come on team, let's get ready to uh, do this. I want to thank you guys. Um, man, you've been so faithful. Uh, this uh, start of this new year, it's just crazy. Uh, and I'm, I'm so, so, so grateful. We, um, we're way ahead of a year ago. Uh, we're ahead of budget. Um, golly, we're just, we're a spoiled people. Yeah, and um, just for the record, I don't want to stop being spoiled, so just keep on going. Yeah, I mean, when you give around here, thanks, Freddie. When you give around here, man, I promise you, you are given to a church that is, uh, we're committed to this community, uh, and we're committed to, to serving people and loving people in the name of Christ. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to return offering to you. God, the tithe we know is holy and to the Lord, and so I pray today that what we'll offer you, God, you would look at that and know, one, it's sacrificial, and two, it is a small indication of our love and our gratitude for all that you've given us. God uh, calls us as a church to constantly and always grow more deeply in love with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So while these folks are taking up an offering, um, just so many things that are going on in the life of church, and that so many of them are just, are just overwhelming. That it's it's kind of hard to uh, it's kind of hard to, to, to describe it all. But we are starting a new teaching series today, and it's entitled James, and it's a uh, I mean it's really something I'm I'm excited about. This James is a five chapter book toward the end of the New Testament. All right, so whether you have a Bible Bible or if you are doing like on a device, whatever you have today, I'm gonna to ask you to do something a little different because to, uh, today and through this series, I wanna invite you to take notes with me. Uh, just kind of anecdotally, when I look across the congregation, what I tend to see is about 15 to 20% of you take notes and um, the rest of you kind of take the bulletin and you stick it in your Bible and then you throw it away on the way in next week and pick up a new one, all right? I just, we're just based on how many of these we find in, in the trash on the way back. So I, I get it, all right? So I'm going to ask you to do that, and then you're wondering, what, what am I going to do with this card that was in your seat? Hang on to that. We're going to use it later in the service. And then across the altar this morning, there are these little magnets, and later I'm going to invite you to just come grab one and use it, and we'll tell you why. But if you would, take your device or take your Bible and find James, and uh, we want to be in chapter one today. For those of you that like kind of verse-by-verse -verse teaching, man, the next few weeks are right up your alley, all right? But you may not like everything that James has to say, all right? James, uh, James, uh, as, you, as you take notes with me, I'm going to try and give you notes that I'd encourage you to write, all right? So on the back of your bulletin, you've got a blank space, and uh, there's probably pens that they refilled between the services and the seat back in front of you. Grab pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, blood, whatever you've got, and uh, follow with me. If you need a pen and you don't have a pen, I mean, you're welcome to get, walk back to the back, and one of those guys will find you a pen. Uh, but you want to you try to follow with me because I want James to be something that you live with. The book of James comes down to two words, and these are the first two that you want to you write down, right? The first word is faith. And the second word is works, all right? So faith 
and works are where we're going to start. All right, the entire book, all five chapters, are basically about faith and works. Now, to do this, let's define faith, all right? Faith, as James teaches us, are you ready? This is a big deal. It is active obedience. All right? So faith is when we are obedient and we put it to action, hence the series, Activating Your Faith. All right, you with me? Then what would works be? These would be God-honoring activities. So in other words, faith is when we actively obey the Word of God. Works is when we take what we've learned in the Word of God and we honor him with our action. Are you with me? All right, so if you get those two, you can learn everything there is to learn in James. I mean, you don't need a degree. I promise you, when you got this, you got James, all right? Now, James gives us a picture in here, and I, this is part of what I love about the book, is that James makes sure that we activate our faith. Now, when you read the first chapter of James, there's really three big pieces to, to the text, all right? And when you look at these three pieces of the text, they all are asking you to do this one thing. Are you ready? You're going to write down three words here, all right? So the first one is endure. You want to learn to endure because we're going to learn that we all have challenges and problems, right? Okay? Then, then, we're, then what we want to do is prioritize And then we want to take action. All right? Now, watch this. If you can, where you're taking notes, kind of draw a line through, like this, all right? And you want to come over here beside it, and, and you want to say problems, solutions, blessings, All right, then this last one, this one's the one that's going to give you a little bit of, bit of hiccup, all right? And that is consistency. All right, you got those? Okay, so with that in mind, we're going to move forward here. And we're going to take a look at what James has to say. So I hope you got your Bibles with you. It's going to be on the screen. It'll be on mine. And it starts with these three thoughts. One, expect challenges. Two, they're for our good. And three, they are an opportunity. Now, this is where most of us freak out. I, I do. I, I promise you, if, if anybody needed to live in James 1 this week, it was me. All right? Because when James says, expect challenges, he doesn't say, if they happen, he's going to tell you, they're coming. He doesn't say, hey, man, just whine about it, pout about it, you know, wallow in it all you want. But the fact is, your attitude towards these challenges make a big difference. And then three... If you see them as an opportunity for God to do what only God can do, he's going to bless you richly. So let's take a look at James chapter 1. Now, I have this Bible that I love, by the way, and if I could remember, it's got a cool name to it, but I don't remember what it is. It's the New Living Translation, which I like to teach from, and it's a really cool Bible. I can take an app on my phone, take a picture of the page number, and it will tell me all of the commentary and layman's words what, what's going on. All right, so when I figure out what that is, I'll tell you in a podcast. All right, as soon as I figure out the name of this thing. All right, but let's go with this. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers, 
first thing you want to do is you want to start and circle believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Now, it's important to know that James is writing this book to people that are Christians. All right? He's already writing the book to people who have faith in Christ. And these would have been folks that had been Jewish and now are still Jewish, but they have been completed in their faith because they've trusted Christ as the Messiah. Okay, are you with me? And so, James, it's important for you to know that he's a special guy too. Most likely, James is the brother of Jesus. How would you like to be at that dinner table? Why can't you be more like your brother? <laughs> well, mom, he's God. You know, I mean, he's just, why don't you eat your peas like your brother? Well, mom, he likes everything. You know, it's just like, so you can imagine that James has a pretty cool perspective. And he says, greetings, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles, circle when, when troubles of any kind, and then underline, come your way, consider it, circle opportunity, and then underline great joy. And this is when you think James has been smoking a hymnal right? Because it's like, okay, he doesn't say if they come. Don't you know in your own life problems come? I mean, don't you know, I mean, just junk happens? And you know, what's interesting is a lot of my problems I create. Do you create some of your own problems? I mean, I can create my own, and usually it's my mouth. I mean, my mouth can get me in so much trouble. I mean, because I speak for a living, I mean, I am living proof. If you talk long enough, you'll say something stupid, right? I mean, I mean, I do regularly. But I can get myself in trouble. But, you know, sometimes trouble finds me by way of the circumstance of what's going on around me. Maybe it's a friend or a family member. Maybe something happens that's way out of my control, but it deeply affects me. But Jack says, listen, this trouble's coming. None of us, none of us are going to avoid it. And remember, he's writing to Christians. He's saying to people who are already followers of Christ, listen, giving your life to Jesus did not make you immune from problems. If anything, you're better equipped. They're coming your way. Now, you could say, well, does God create the problem? Well, in the case of Noah, he certainly had a storm and got Noah's attention. I mean, Jonah's attention, right? I mean, in the case of Noah, it's like, okay, it's going to rain. I don't know what that is, but, but he did it, all right? With, with Peter, it's like he walked on water, all those things. So, God could, yeah, but here's something important that we need to write down. God never, are you ready for this? Tempts. God, God never tempts you. All right, temptation comes from the world, but never from him. And temptation is what most often gets us in trouble when we give in to temptation. Troubles are coming, and by the way, so are temptations. Let's keep going because he says, when we're to consider an opportunity. It's like, what? It's, it's James is saying, when this heartache comes, when these challenges arise, when these problems come up, and this is a big deal, and I want to make sure you hear this. God doesn't rank your heartache. If your problem is, I got to get out of debt, but your neighbor's heartache is, my parent just passed away, all right? God doesn't look over here and say, oh, that heartache is deeper than your heartache, because see, God cares about you intimately. All right, here's a note I want you to take. God cares for all problems. If, if your problem is you're lonely, God cares about that. 
If your problem is that you're heartbroken, God cares about that. If your problem is you're broke, God cares about that. Whatever your problem is, God cares about those that's coming your way. Take that as an opportunity for great joy. Now watch this. Great joy means three things. Are you ready? Number one, great joy means happy. A lot of preachers out there say, God never called you to be happy. God called you to be holy. Now, that's good preaching, but that's, not ba- that's kind of bad theology. When you're holy, you have a great opportunity to live happy. All right? So, it, great joy comes with being happy. Come, great joy comes with being blessed. And watch this. Great joy comes with being joy-filled. Three things. Now, you say, wait a minute, great joy, of course, joy. There's a difference between joy-filled and seeing joy. You see, when we're joy-filled, we can take and understand that we're about to get a PhD in whatever problem we're working through, but we've got to allow God to do this work. Listen to what the rest of what he says in verse 3. For you know that when your faith is circle-tested, and then your endurance, and then grow, all right? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Did you know there's a dude in Morocco that, run, that runs a mile in three minutes and 43 seconds? I can't go to the fridge and back in three minutes and 43 seconds, and that cat ran a mile. Now, you know what happened? He didn't get out of bed in Morocco one day and say, I think I'm going to run today, and knock out three minutes and 43 seconds. He didn't do that, did he? He trained for it. Every time we have a heartache, every time we have a challenge, every time we have a problem, it is building our faith endurance. Did you get that? That we are building our faith endurance and our faith where it is located has everything to do often with the degree and the length of the problem. So when you say, well, I'm in the thick of it right now, Chuck, well, then let me ask you a question. If you're in the thick of it right now, why are you praying to get out of it when we could be praying, God, could you give me, give me wisdom in it so that I make wise and godly choices so that you can get me out of it. You say, well, Chuck, wait a minute now. You see, here's what happens. We like to put God in our watch. God, if I'm faithful, by Tuesday at 2, I need this gone. And God just laughs at us and says, you know, I could fit in that watch, but I'm not going to because I don't give a hoot about your time. I care about the timing. When your endurance has followed its course, when God does his work, you say, well, did God cause that problem. Well, you know, I doubt, I think most of the times we create our own. Most of the time we, we're, we're just sin-filled men and women living in a sin-filled world, junk happens. But you know what? No matter how we got there, God will take whatever that circumstance is and use it for your good and for his glory because listen to what he says. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, and I love this, and needing nothing. Come on, man. Is that good or what? He goes on to say, if you need wisdom, okay, let's do a quick poll. Anybody this week need wisdom? All right, let's take the other side. Anybody got all of life figured out? See, if you'd raise your hand, we'd have already known you were a liar. So it wouldn't matter, right? Because the fact is we all need wisdom. Now watch this. We need wisdom, and this comes on the heels of knowing that we also are going to have problems. When we have problems, 
we need to endure. What do we need to endure with? Faith. What is that faith based on? That faith is based on God. How do I know that? Because if you, if you need wisdom in the middle of your challenge, go ahead and ask a generous God. All right, I want you to write this down, and please don't miss this. Okay, you ready? I want you to write this down. God wants me to have wisdom. He is not withholding it from you. Listen to what he says, and he will give it to you. If you're lacking wisdom and you need it, ask a generous God, and he will give it to you. Isn't that great? You say, Chuck, I need a problem. What do I do? I have folks call me all the time. Chuck, I don't know what to do. What should I do? And the answer is, you don't need me. Later on in the book of James, here's what he says. If any of you are suffering, he says one word right after. Any of you are suffering, comma, pray. But Chuck, I don't know how to pray. Sure you do. You talk to me. You talk to your spouse. You just talk to God. This is why we record these weekday meditations, to make it so easy that you should just talk to God. But now listen to me. God doesn't want you to just talk to him. He also wants you to hush and listen to him. And by the way, if you're saying, well, Chuck, have you ever heard God? Yeah, absolutely. Chuck, have you ever audibly heard God? I think so, yeah. But Chuck, I've never heard God. Well, have you ever hushed long enough to know what his voice might sound like? Listen, the Lord is saying to you, but when you ask him, be sure. Now watch this. Square this up. Be sure your faith is in him. Be sure your faith is in God. You're in the middle of a problem. Here's what you do. Ask for wisdom. Who do I go to for wisdom? A generous God. That generous God, according to his promise, will give that to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. In other words, he's not going to make fun of you. He's never going to look at you and say, come on, man. We got to learn this again. How many times have you looked at your kids and said, why do we have to keep going over this over and over and over again? I think God wants to look at us the same way. I think God looks at Chuck every now and then and says, Chuck, really, do we have to keep learning this over and over and over again? And you know what I have to say? Yes, sir. Don't you? I mean, but he says he's not going to rebuke me. He's going to offer that to me. And then he says, but when you ask, make sure that your faith is in God. And watch this. Here's the big word, alone. It's not God and. It's not God in your employer. It's not God in your bank. It's not God in your church. It's God alone. Listen, this is why we, we think it's a big deal to, I mean, not, not to be Baptist, not to be Methodist, not to be Presbyterian, not to be Church of God, not to be Assembly of God, not to be anybody else. This is a Jesus is enough church. You know why? Because we need to have faith in God alone. Not in a denomination, not in a committee, not in a pastor, not in a priest, but God alone. When we put our faith in God alone, who will give us generously wisdom and not rebuke us for it, how would we ever put our faith in anything other? Listen to the rest of it. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave, circle the wave, blown, tossed wind. I... I I grew up on the water and on boats, but the minute I was knee-high, I was driving a boat with my pop in his lap, all right? One of the things you learn in salt water is you learn buoys, and they're incredibly important because they're like lanes for a car. You know where the shallow water is, you know where the hazards are, you know where the channel is, but you better learn that, right? Because the good news is buoys, buoys don't move. Now, they float on top of the water, but they're anchored at the bottom. 
and they never move. They're there for a purpose, and they're anchored for a purpose. James is saying to us, listen, be sure that when you go and you ask for wisdom with faith alone in God, he's also saying to you, don't come with any other loyalty with that. Don't bring, hey, God, you and. This is never God and because God's enough, period. You add anything else, God's going to say, nope. If your trust is divided in your 401k and me, nope. If your trust is in your investment and in me, nope. God's saying, it's me and me alone. Now you say, well, wait a minute. That makes God a pretty jealous God. You doggone right he is. You know why? He made it. He gets to create it. He holds it in the palm of his hand. It's his rules. Now watch this. He says, if you're not careful, you're going to have a divided loyalty. You're going to be like a double-minded person. You're going to waver and you're going to blow around in the wind. Listen to this. Verse 8, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Listen, friend, along the way, James says you can be joyful when you fall into trials. Absolutely. But you know what else he says? Our emphasis better be on faith. Now, watch this. Here is a two-word definition once again, because some of you weren't listening on the front end, all right? Faith is active obedience. Faith is when we activate obedience to Christ alone, all right? And when that happens, God gives us generously when we ask in faith. So, you skip on down the text of verse 14, and he says, wait a minute, temptations, first word, right? Why do we go from problems, ask for wisdom, you got to endure, why then does temptation come in? Because temptation has a lot to do with the mess we find ourselves in. We are tempted by this world. I want to remind you again, God does not tempt you. God doesn't dangle a carrot out in front of you and play with you, all right? God God doesn't have you on a stick like a puppet. God has you with a free will that you can make the choices you desire to make. He wants you to choose to love him. But listen to what he says about temptation. Temptation comes from our own desires. Make sure that you parenthesize desires and then separately own. Two separate words, right? Our own, me, I got to own it, and what I desire. What's interesting is we all have different desires, which means we all have weak spots. We all have places where we are vulnerable in our life. We all have places where Satan can attack us best, all right? Some of us, uh, where God attacks us is our pride and our ego. Some of this is where God attacks us in our marriage and our relationships. Some of this God attacks us uh, with alcohol or, or drugs or with sex or whatever, right? And you look at this and you say, temptation comes from our own desires. We've got to own it which entice us, and watch this, I want you to square up, drag us away. All right, the drag us away part is this. I want you to imagine that over here is where God is, and over here is where sin wants us. And what happens is, as long as we're over here where God wants us, Satan is constantly wanting to pull us over here. It never stops. The more you walk with Christ, the more Satan wants to pull you toward him. He doesn't want you to succeed in your walk with Christ. Listen to this. These desires give birth to sinful actions. Now, why is is James so big in this? Well, he, he gives us a point to know. I have desires, you have desires. 
all right? When we fall prey to those, they entice us to drag us away from walking with him, and he says, they're going to give birth to a sinful action. You say, so are you saying, Chuck, that sin inevitably happens like having birth? Yeah, but I also want you to know there's no such thing as being kind of pregnant, right? I mean, you're pregnant or you're not pregnant. You're pregnant and you carry, you're going to give birth. Sin starts as a thought that began as a temptation that became an enticement. The enticement is going to drag us away, and that sin, that is going to pull us where we give birth to sinful action. And this is why James is saying, hey, make sure if you want to endure, if you want to move through the challenges in life, you better deal with this. Because if you want to shorten the distance of those challenges, you got to find out that some of these you're creating yourself. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a, sh a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us, now here's the big words, true word. By giving us the true word, and watch this, and out of all creation, we became his prized possession. All right, now watch this. What is the true word? All right, we understand the word true. What's the word word? All right, now watch this. John says at the beginning of his gospel, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is the word? None other than Jesus himself. What James is saying here is, my brother Jesus, he gave birth to us by giving us himself, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Here's what James is saying. When you trust Christ as your Savior, he takes you on and God adopts you into his family, and you become a joint heir of all that God has along with Jesus himself. Because of what Christ has given you, you have now become the prized possession of God himself. Today, if you, are a, if you are a blessed Christian who has trusted your life into the hands of Christ and Christ alone, God calls you his cherished and prized adoption. He is, you are his favorite. You are the apple of God's eye. You are the image bearer of God the most high. Think about that. You, you sitting here right now, God gives good gifts, not troublesome ones. How do I know that? Because James said it in the Word. Listen to verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. He keeps repeating that to make sure that we're writing to people that are believers. You must all be, now watch this one, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Why does he point these out? Because this thing right here is what gets us in the most trouble. Our mouth is what gets us in the most trouble. It gets us in the most trouble with our spouse, with our kids, with our boss, with our employees, with our neighbors, with our churches. It gets us in trouble. You know why? Because you will inevitably spill what is really in your heart from your mouth. So I want you to, to look at this, and I want you to put numbers there in the Scripture where it says, quick, put number one to listen. Number two, be slow to speak. Number three, slow to get angry. Any of you have a problem with road rage? Wait a minute, I know you have a problem with road rage. Some of you flip people off trying to get off the church parking lot. It's like, man, I got to get to Captain D's, man. You know, it's like, 
we, we have trouble with this. Why does he point these out? Because clearly this is what happens in such the, a bite size of temptation. Temptation says, I'm going to speak. I read an article this past week that I thought it was fascinating. Ladies, look right here. This is just for you. Do you want to know why your husband doesn't listen to you? Are you ready? Overwhelmingly, this was what study showed. It's because they're not listening to you. They're thinking about what they're about to say. Any nudges want to happen? Hey, guys, you want to know why your spouse doesn't listen to you? They don't trust your character. Ouch. Things just got funky in a room, didn't it? Human anger does not produce the righteousness. Now watch this. The righteousness that God desires. I love this. God desires us to have his righteousness. Now this is worth stopping. This is deep theology here for just a minute. You will find in text this verb. You ready? This verbiage is so important to understand. There is no one good, not one of us. Who's good? God is good. The only righteousness that we can possess is his, not ours. The only righteousness available to us is that when we choose to look at temptation and know it's not from him and not be drawn back to Satan to have the endurance to let him complete that work. Listen to me. If you're in the middle of a challenge right now, God is using it for your good and his glory. And what's happening in your life right now is you are either allowing God to use that to draw you and hold you closer to him, or you're using it as an opportunity to wallow in pity in whatever you're in, and God can't use you, and you're going to lengthen that, that heartache until such time as you allow God to complete it in your life. And you say, but I didn't ask for it, and it shouldn't be my problem. It's not fair. Okay, are you ready for this one? This is really good stuff. Life is not fair. By the way, neither is God, but he is just. And in just, righteousness is available. Do do you remember from the first few texts? He offers you happiness blessedness, and a joy-filled life. What do we have to do to have that endurance? To do what? For him to complete the work within us while we're in the middle of this. And to look at temptation and know it comes from Satan and to not let Satan have our ear and draw us away in things like being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? Because he says when you do those things, when you give in to that temptation, you cannot produce the righteousness God desires in your life. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word, there it is again, the word God has planted in your heart for it has power to save your soul. Do you see those words right there? Let me go through and make sure you got it. And humbly accept the word. All right, two things in the word. Are you ready? One is the word we've already described. The one word is Jesus is the word. But here's the other word. Jesus is the word. And this is his word. Don't forsake Jesus and don't forsake his word. He gave you the word that God has planted in your hearts. That's the presence of Jesus, for it has the power to save your souls. That's Jesus alone. The Bible can't save you, but Jesus does. But what the Bible can do is keep you over here 
away from over here when Satan wants to draw you that way. This is why we record these podcasts. Why? We want to make sure that every day you get the word in you. Because when the word is in you, the ability to turn away from temptation and the ability to endure hardship is greatly increased that you can survive because the word is in you and you feed yourself the word. Are you with me? Now watch this. You must do what it says. Okay, well, there's the problem. I mean, watch this. A recent study says that in this room, like we'll have 1,700 people on campus today. Of the 1,700, less than 4% of you are going to read this Bible for something other than when you're in church this week. And you say, well, Chuck, what am I going to do? Stop whining, trust the Word in you, and feed your soul the Word. You want to know what to do? Here you go. But Chuck, I'd rather pay you to tell me. That's not how it works. Because if you're trusting me, you got the wrong person. You're trusting in your counselor, you got the wrong person. You're trusting in your therapist, and they may help you, but they're not going to give you what this will give you. So listen, for it has the power to save your soul, but don't just listen to God's Word. you got to do what it says. And watch this, unless otherwise you're just fooling yourself. <laughs> Wait a minute. James gets intensely personal here that if you're not doing what it says, your faith is worthless. Remember what we said, faith and works? Faith is active obedience. Works are generous and joyful, God-honoring activity. He says, for if you listen to the word, okay, now watch this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What did you just hear? Say it with me, two words, the word. Okay, let's try that again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What did you just hear? Okay, watch this. And I want you all to have the opportunity today to say yes to Jesus so that the word can live within you. Because of our sin, Jesus came and took the price for it and died on a cross and shed his blood and he was buried and rose from the dead so that we might have forgiveness of all our sin and we might have life in abundance. We might have life eternal because of Jesus. That is called the you're slow but you're getting there all right now watch this it's like glancing at your face in a mirror you see yourself and you walk away and circle you forget and then circle what you look like it's like looking in a mirror and it's like okay but I, but I don't really know who I am I'm just trying to find myself I mean, do y'all really mean it when you say that stuff? I'm just searching for my deeper self. Um, go to yoga, man. Listen to me. Here's what he says, but if you look carefully into, and this is a big deal here, if you look carefully into the perfect law, that's what will set you free. Okay, now watch this. What is the perfect law? Write this down. Perfect law. equals, you ready? Grace in Christ Jesus. The perfect law is grace in Christ Jesus. See, watch this. Jesus offers grace 
because you don't get what you deserve, you get how much he loves you. And although we deserve the law to beat the fool out of us, he says, but I'm going to extend grace to you and the perfect law will set you free because I've completed it. I finished it. When I came and said, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and, and, and love others as you love yourself, he said, everything else that hangs under that doesn't matter. you got to do that. Until you get that done, everything you do down here doesn't matter. Like if you're packing backpacks, but you're, you're packing backpacks because it's a social endeavor, and it's not because you love God and love others as you love yourself, God's saying that's worthless. If you're delivering food down here, you're caring for a neighbor, doing out of guilt, God's saying that, that's not what I'm honoring. I want these activities, I want this work to be motivated by the fact that you have been obedient to me and perfect law, which sets you free, is grace in Christ Jesus. And in the midst of all that, what we know is that everyone should be quick to do what? Listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And if you claim to be religious, oh boy, here we go. If you claim to be religious, this one, this will mess you up. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Here's the question I want you to write down. Is my religion worthless? I promise you I write better than this. Is my religion worthless? Is your faith right now, is it good for nothing? In the middle of the problem you're in, is there, is there any comfort? Is there any hope? Then here's what I would say to you. Then you haven't allowed the grace of perfect law to complete his work in you by saying, I want to come into your life. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart right now saying, I want to come in and do the perfect completion because watch this, pure and genuine religion. You see, religion is not a bad word unless it's not genuine. It's like worship. If you've come here for, for a production then we're here for the wrong reason. We are here to worship. This isn't about whether we sing the right songs, whether we sing the right notes, whether we hit the right tune. It's about we have come to worship, period. There's nothing left to it. And in the middle of that, we have to ask ourselves, okay, what would make my religion worthwhile? Listen to the rest of it. In the sight of God the Father, it means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Two things. First, is he specifically talking about orphans and widows? Yes. But is he also talking about the broader sense of we are here and our faith ought to minister to and care for and help people in need? You betcha. You know what that means? To put your faith in action, you can't do it in here, you do it out there. You can grow your faith here, but you activate your faith there. You don't grow your faith and just go out there and do nothing unless you're not growing. You see, the fastest way to know that you're sitting and soaking and not doing a blessed thing with what the Word wants to do in your life is the sure fact that if you go out in the real world, nothing has changed in your life and you're doing nothing for the cause of Christ. You say, well, Chuck, does that mean my works show that I'm a believer? No, your works show that who you believe in is working in you. Now watch this, because this is a big, big deal. James makes some huge points here, and I want to make sure that you write these down. Number one, problems need solutions. Number two, 
Jesus, the word is always the solution. You got it? Jesus, the word is always the solution. So it's whether you're starting with Jesus today or whether you're staying with Jesus today. I guess the question would be, are today you're taking a faith or are you today committing to activate your faith or are you willing to do nothing with your faith? Is your faith active and is your faith at work? And I think what we all have to do is have a willingness to look at our faith and say, what's my takeaway, Chuck? What is my big takeaway in all of this? And I I wrote these down, and I want to make sure that that I don't miss them, all right? One, I want you to grab these five quick takeaways, and we'll be done. Number one, trouble's coming. Many of you are in the thick of it right now. Trouble's coming. Number two, pray. Meditate. Listen. When we hear listen and not speak, I think we think about it this way, not vertically. But I believe the Lord is also saying to many of us, we need to start listening vertically and horizontally. But you can't horizontally listen well unless you're listening vertically well. Unless you're listening to the Word, listen. If trouble is coming, and we know it is, if trouble is here, and we know it is, he says, pray, meditate. You say, well, Chuck, what am I to do? Well, I I just want to ask you, would you take that little card that was there today, and I want you to begin to start thinking on how are you going to activate your faith this week? I've got one in my truck that that I wrote down here that I'm going to activate my faith by actively trying to listen. I'm dying from the slow death of terminal certainty. Some of you are like me. I'm I'm consistently believe I'm right, you know, and so I I have this great desire to tell people that. Do any of y'all suffer from that disease? I do, and I'm trying to this week learn just talk less, listen more vertically. Maybe yours is I want to activate my faith this week because I'm going to fight the temptation of, or maybe it's I'm going to ask God every day for wisdom, or maybe I'm going to listen, I'm going to be a part of that day, a weekday meditation every morning. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask the Lord for wisdom. I'm going to try to flee. Every morning this week, it'll be about fighting temptation and overcoming your circumstances. What is that going to be? Put it on here. Then I'm going to ask you, at the end of the service, come to, this, come to the altar and just grab one of the, after the service, during whatever, the song, grab a magnet. And if you take this magnet, some of you are refrigerator people like me and Jen, and you put that on there. If it's too private, you don't want it on there, then put it somewhere in your wallet or somewhere and put this on the back of your car, whatever. But just make sure you get this in front of you. How are you going to activate your faith? Number one, trouble is coming. Number two, pray. And number three, make sure of your anchor. Make sure if you're a buoy, you're anchored. Make sure you're not being tossed by, I don't know what to believe. I don't know who to believe. I don't know where to believe. Listen, this is why the weekday podcast and this word, get the word into your life every day. I can't tell you how powerful this is. Get the word into your life every day. When you do that, I also want to say to you, take that time of weekday meditation. Pray, meditate, listen. Make sure that you are anchored. Number four, I want to ask you to, and this is a big one, listen more. Talk less. Now, I'm specifically thinking this way. It may be true for you and your spouse, or it may be true for you and your family, but I'm intentionally talking about this way. Lord, I want to hear from you. 
I, 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 want you to, I, want, I want your prompting, I want your nudging, I want all of that give me direction, that's what I want to do. And then number five, and I really can't encourage you enough, I want you to take a heart inventory. Is my faith worthless? And if it is, then make sure. That trouble's going to be a long time for you. You can pray and meditate and ask the Lord to come in because then you can make sure of your anchor and you can listen to what he has to say and you can talk less and then you can take an inventory of your heart and now you're ready to activate your faith. I want to encourage you this week. Make sure that you're trying to activate your faith and put it into practice and go live for Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we are, uh, we are grateful people that we have the privilege to activate a faith that is real and put into practice a religion that matters. God, speak into our life. God, I believe there are people here right now that are saying, well, I want that Jesus and I want that faith. I want the word to be alive in me. And God, if there are people here, I pray their prayer right now would be this simple. Jesus, I want you in my life because I can't endure without you. Come into my life and save me. God, I believe there are people all over this room and watching online that would say, Chuck, I activated my faith somewhere in the past, but I desperately need to reactivate my faith. I need to get my life in gear, and I need to make it count. I need to start activating outside these walls. And I believe there's some folks here that you're going through the worst of times in your life, and you're trying to endure. And I want to ask you, let the, let the Lord do his work and complete it. Don't give your ear to Satan. Don't let him tempt you away. Don't let him draw you away. Trust him. The students the other night, I asked them to say in unison with me, Lord, I trust you. Would you say that with me? Lord, I trust you. Would you say it with me again? Lord, I trust you. One more time. Lord, I trust you. And if that's the case, we're going to sing. And I'm just going to ask you in that moment of trust, some of you need to get to this altar and some of you need to reactivate your faith. Some of you need to get to me and just say, Chuck, I need to give Jesus my life. What do I do? Some of you need to be able to say in, middle of, in the middle of my, my heartache, in the middle of my strife, just pray with me. But let's sing. Y'all stand to your feet. And I'm going to ask you just come to the altar. Reactivate your faith. Come tell me you want to activate your faith. You want Jesus in your life. All it takes is somebody to step out right now. Maybe maybe you've got life all figured out. Maybe you don't need to be on your knees. Maybe you don't need to come to an altar. But I know this. I know apart from him, you have no hope of that marriage being what you want it to be. I know apart from him, you have no hope of beating that addiction. I know apart from him, you have no hope for peace in this life. I know apart from him, you have no hope for heaven. I know that because of him, you have peace and joy and fulfillment and contentment waiting on you. But you got to trust him. But you got to trust him. You've got to trust him. Come on, church. Come on, church. Say, I'm activating my faith. My 
you I don't apologize for that single greatest thing in our prayer for you today is when you left here you would leave with a faith that was activated to the degree that you would change wherever you're at with the power of Christ beginning with you and so as you leave today join 25 or 30 folks that are finishing a membership class and leave here knowing that Jesus will go before you and he will make a way and he will make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. Leave here today knowing that he will leave within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good. And you, my friend, you are always loved, even in the middle of the junk. And when this life is beating you up, and I have this picture of Jesus walking along over behind you and bending over and jumping up on his big back, wrapping arms around his shoulders and hugging tight, and him saying, hang on, we're not going around it. We're going through the thick of it. It's going to be a little hot there be a little bumpy we're going to walk through that and we're going to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap you up in your Savior's loving arms and he's going to look at you eyeball to eyeball and say my child say it with me I love you God bless you go in peace